Welcome to the Emerald City Hockey Podcast. Join RJ and Dylan as they discuss each week's Seattle Kraken news and top stories from around the league. All right, RJ, we are coming off of arguably the best week of Kraken hockey that we have seen so far. Um, three out of four wins since we recorded the last podcast uh, against some great competition against the Capitals, against the Hurricanes. Winning yesterday for us, uh, back on Saturday for everybody listening to this, Monday moving forward over Florida. Only loss against the back-to-back Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. And the Kraken still looked pretty good in that game, despite the fact that it was 3 nothing. But in between all of that, sandwiched in there was a, a holiday. So how was your Thanksgiving? It was good. Uh, you know, I uh, went down to San Jose, so I'm in Sharks territory uh, here to have Thanksgiving with uh, my girlfriend's family. And they, it was kind of split up between uh, t- two Thanksgivings with each side of the family. Uh, and the second of which being uh, Saturday night, of course. So, you know, as the people who watch uh, ECH post game live know, I wasn't able to make it on the post game live. Uh, was busy stuffing my face with a second Thanksgiving dinner of the week. So very grateful for that. Yeah, and I, I definitely know how much you appreciate any opportunity to take part in Thanksgiving food and all that stuff. You talked a little bit about it on one of those post games. Um, Best holiday of the year. Yeah. Uh, you still had some time to watch that Florida game. And I think, you know, despite all the wins and stuff, the biggest story of this week has to be the fact that Will Borgen was freed. He played in that Florida game. He played well, I thought, anyway. Um, so, you know, because you had to miss that post-game live, I would love to hear your thoughts about Will Borgen, and I'm sure everybody else would, too. Yes, after so many free Will Borgen hashtags, Will Borgen was finally freed Saturday night. Uh, you know, I, I saw that, you know, coming in from the warm-ups, you know, the news was on Twitter, and I just exclaim they freed will borg and of course you know, know what it the thanksgiving dinner knows what i'm talking about but uh that was uh that was great news and i thought he did really well and i watched him very closely of course it being his first game of the season i really was interested to see how he did and i was impressed uh, throughout the whole game with how he played uh he bodied up on the guys he was supposed to you know he Unlike maybe a Jeremy Lozon, he didn't really get lost too much in defensive coverage. He jumped up into the play, which is something that we saw from him in the preseason, knowing that he can bring. There was a really good, I think it was a four-on-two rush uh, where he was like the second pass in, and then he passed it again um, to, was it Schwartz streaking in? But anyway, or McCann, it was streaking in. Uh, but he was an integral part of that rush. It was a good scoring chance for the Kraken. And I just really like what he brings to this lineup. And with him and Flurry, I mean, you actually have a pretty solid third D pair that, you know, allows you to stack those top two D pairs. And you don't have to really worry about the third pair. Yeah, and you can, you know, they, they work all three levels too. And that's what I think is impressive about it is... Um, you know, I wasn't expecting him to step into the lineup and maybe play as aggressive as he played uh, coming from Will Borgen. I think my biggest takeaway, kind of reflecting on it, having an extra day now, was just how much fun it looked like he was having. Like, mm-hmm. he didn't, He you could tell he was he was there and he wanted to make as much stuff happen as possible to make the most out of this opportunity, to, right? To, to kind of force the coaching staff's hand into keeping him in the lineup for longer uh, and and to get some more regular playing time. But at the same time, it also just looked like he was having fun while doing it. 
obviously gets into that scrap after he shot that puck in. I don't know. Everybody seemed to be making a little too much about that. I didn't think it was that egregiously beyond the whistle uh, when he when he shot that puck. No, and it's and it's tough because it's a quick offside call, and you know you got to play as if you hold it in. Because if you just you know stop and the play keeps going, you know that that's going to be worse for you. But even after that tussle, like you could see the smile on his face. Mm-hmm. He's just enjoying being there, playing in a game, being in the lineup, um, and you know he also led the team with five blocked shots. I mean, that's huge, too. Uh, you know, shot blocking has recently become kind of part of this team's identity. We'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Borgen just getting in on that a lot in the first game. Yeah, no, defensively, um, he was solid. I guess my biggest takeaway from him in the defensive zone, besides the shot blocking that you mentioned, which everybody is getting involved in, was just unlike the guy he was replacing, Jeremy Lauzon, when under pressure, he made smart decisions with the puck. He wasn't trying to force things if they weren't there. He was just taking the smart outlet pass. He was willing to absorb the hit, right? There was a lot of times he he hang, he hung in there, made a quick little pass with the puck, a safe pass, absorbed the hit, moved forward. Like like it was it was very fundamentally sound in that regard and and it was just someone willing to do what it takes to have the team succeed, right? He's not trying to force something. He's not trying to make something happen really quick. He's not trying to play, you know, beyond his limits that, like, we've seen Lauzon try to do uh, several times, and, you know, generally it'll result in a turnover. You know, we could talk about that when we talk about the Tampa Bay game. But um, that that was really what impressed me. I didn't realize that he could be so kind of poised with the puck and especially coming off of, you know, sitting on the bench for 20 games to come into the lineup, make those smart decisions time and time again. And then as well as, you know, pinching up from time to time in smart moments, uh, just the way he handled everything. He, he just looked like a really, really smart hockey player. And I think that that's something that they've been missing at times on the back end from guys, as we've seen, you know, obviously Lazon we've talked about a lot, but we're still kind of in a lot of ways waiting on Vince Dunn to kind of figure things out, right? Vince Dunn has had his share of turnovers, his share of, you know, pinching up at opportunities that really weren't so great to be doing. Um, you know, a lot of the odd man rushes and, and stuff that we've seen go against the Kraken. Yes, the goalies are heating up and taking care of that, but I think, you know, the defense has to, you know, settle down a little bit in some of those situations. And it seems like Will Borgen is going to be a guy that's going to be on board with that. The other guy coming back into the lineup was Hayden Fleury. Been a hot minute since Hayden Fleury had been in. Thought he played fantastic through the Tampa Bay game, and I thought he played another good game in Florida. And then, yes, him and um, him and Borgen together, that, that looked like a really solid pairing. I, I'm definitely excited to see that uh, moving forward. But... We're going to go ahead. We'll we'll break down kind of each game here because, uh, you know, for one reason or another, despite the fact that, you know, three of these four games this last week were wins, I feel like each game was pretty different. Certainly yeah, they all the, kind of had a different feel to them. Huh? Yeah, and certainly the way the Kraken kind of got to the win was different. So I kind of want to go game by game here, and we can just kind of talk about all the different things that worked for the Kraken throughout this week that got them there. Starting with last Sunday, the Washington Capitals game, um, you know, we recorded last week's podcast before the game. Um, it happened later that night, 5-2 win for the Kraken. And this felt like kind of some of the wins we had seen, you know, before from the Kraken where, all right, you let in the first goal, you let in that Tom Wilson goal, then you kind of fight back. 
things stay kind of close, like maybe a little too close, dominate the second period, get, you know, three goals there. And then, um, I don't want to say coast to a victory on the back end because they, they, they sort of didn't, but, um, it, it just felt like that same style of, okay, we're going to, we're going to do some stuff. We're going to come out slow. We're going to finish kind of even for the first period. Then we're going to dominate the second period. And then we're just going to kind of be in cruise control for the third period. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's been kind of the script behind some of the earlier wins, uh, that we saw. And, I mean, it was encouraging to see them score another one in that first period after going down one nothing, And I think it had been a few games that they'd allowed the first goal at that point. And certainly in that six-game losing streak, you know, you got the feeling after the first goal allowed, like, okay, is this happening again? Or are we going to see the same story again? But getting one before the first period was over really helped with that and kind of put them on an even footing to go out and do their thing, which we've seen them do so many times in dominating the second period. And they were finally rewarded for it, too. I mean, it was their first lead in a while when they scored that 2-1 goal uh, to take the lead. And that just helps so much when you're not having to play from behind, when you have a lead. And we've seen the Kraken feel a lot more comfortable in those situations. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, that first period goal was a power play goal. Theme of the week was really, you know, the power play has woken up. That, that you know, hot streak continued on. Um, you could tell Jared McCann just wanted that one, too. Um, really excited to have him back. That was another thing that kind of happened this week for them. Uh, I know it feels like so long ago now. Um, but yes, I mean, everything was there. Obviously, you can't keep Ovechkin off the board forever. That happens in the third period. But really, I think the biggest takeaway from that game has, had to be Grubauer. Yes. I mean, that was Grubauer's get right game. And boy, did he need one uh, after that six game losing streak. And he just did not look very good in that time and really all season up until that point. But the team leaned on him heavily uh, in the third period, especially. I mean, he allowed a lot of shots, a lot of good chances. They did a good job keeping him to the outside. But, you know, if you have Grubauer the way that he had played earlier in the season, the Caps probably get back into that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Grubauer was solid throughout i mean he made a great save on uh, ovechkin on a set play right off the face off and that is a hard shot to get your glove on but he did uh, ovechkin was just kind of sitting there on a knee looking back at grubauer he couldn't believe it um and and that's the kind of thing that you know we really hope to see from him and and really have seen since yeah i mean in that third period you allow 23 shots to the capitals in that third period that is really not great um you know it kind of continues the trend we had seen from them through a lot of these games unfortunately but yes Grubauer stayed strong through that um stayed strong through you know a couple odd man rush type situations that we you know had seen the goalies falter on in the past really both of them um so you know I still think it's a crime Philip Grubauer wasn't given first star for that game I know I know Hackstall would agree with you yeah so uh I still think that was a crime but it was really awesome to see because it felt like the first game that we got the Grubauer we thought we were going to get, where he was going to make big mm-hmm. saves, keep the team in it, and, you know, the the offense could then, you know, have some time to wake up a little and, and get going, and they did, particularly in that uh, second period. And then continue that moving forward into the Wednesday game against uh, Carolina. Totally different game. This was the first kind of grinded out performance we'd seen from the Kraken. First low scoring, physical, tough 
uh, game just kind of we'd seen from them in general. Uh, but once again, I think the main takeaway had to be Philip Grubauer. Yep. And it looked at first like that wasn't, uh, you know, like that, like that might not be the case, you know, with mm-hmm. the, with the early goal out, but man, did he get solid after that? And, um, yeah, I mean, it really was one of those games that we thought we'd see a lot more of at the start of the season, uh, where, you know, the Kraken just have to grind out a game against a very good team, keep them to the outside and rely on their goaltending, uh, to be the difference. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it was the first time that I felt like the Kraken were obviously the more physical team in a way that mattered. Like we'd seen the Kraken dominate in just, you know, hits before, but not like in a way where it felt like it was actually contributing to this idea of grinding the other team down, stalling them out as they try to, you know, enter the offensive zone. Um, you know, there was a little more dump and chase in this game. Maybe we weren't all so thrilled to see that from them, but it it certainly gave you maybe a glimpse at what this team would look like in a playoff series, and I think it is definitely a recipe that could work in a situation like that. Now, I know that's a long way out, have to get there, and that's going to be a challenge, but I just felt like this was a physical effort, um, you know, just top down. Alexiak started to get more physical this week, I think that's one of the top stories for this team, and I think that started in this game. Uh, him using his big body and throwing around his size, taking advantage of what that allows him to do. So I was I was happy to see the physical effort from the team. Happy to see Grubauer stay hot. It was obvious now that like okay, Grubauer's back. He is here. That is awesome to see. Uh, and and you just know. You know, regardless of what's going on, obviously cracking out shot thirty six twenty two in this game, but Grubauer's playing that way. The Kraken are gonna be in it every single night, and that's something I think we haven't you know had that confidence in in a while. But uh, but yeah, that one it was just a totally different game. Like to see that the Kraken can hang with a really good team, maybe slow the game down. I mean, that's kind of the way Carolina wants to play anyway. It's not like the Kraken did this to try to you know, take out this top team like you might see normally, but it was good to see that they could hang with a top team and that they could hang in a low-scoring physical affair. Then over the holiday, fly cross-country, go into Tampa, and, you know, they lost 3 nothing, RJ, but it wasn't all bad. No, it really wasn't. And, you know, the Kraken did as good of a job as I, you know, could have expected them to do in the circumstances. You know, they, they kept the game close uh, for a long time and it's just so hard to penetrate, you know, that defensive wall that the Tampa has standing up at their own blue line and then kind of slowly pushing forward uh, and really, you know, getting a lot of the possession. I mean, it, they look just like they did, you know, winning the two consecutive can- Stanley cups that they did. Um, it's just a very good team. And, the Kraken didn't let it fall apart either, which is something earlier in the season. You could look at a game like that and maybe it ends up six to nothing, you know, five, nothing, six, nothing, even, you know, given all the chances there. Uh, but, you know, they hung in it and they, they gave themselves chances to counterattack. And yeah, they didn't go in. But, you know, it's one of those where you can't feel too bad about the performance. Yeah, I mean, this could have easily turned into like that Colorado game where it's mm-hmm. just over, you know, halfway through. This felt like the Kraken were in it really through the whole thing. Kind of dominated possession-wise. They got dominated. They didn't dominate, that's for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, 
kind of takeaways as far as what the team needs to improve on. Grubauer kind of let in a soft one at the beginning, but then he, you know, he he kind of shut things down from there on out. Both the later two mm-hmm. goals were not on him. Um, and so it was good to see that, you know, he was able to recompose himself and get back to the Grubauer that we had seen the previous two games. Um, so, you know, kind of keep the confidence in Grubauer moving forward. That was big. Kraken have to figure out a way to deal with teams that have aggressive defensemen. And I know not every team has defensemen at the level that Tampa has defensemen at and that they don't play where they're going to challenge you every time you're trying to enter the zone. But we knew that zone entries, you know, going from the neutral zone into the Kraken's offensive zone there has been a struggle for this team all season long. They really worked on their transition game as far as getting out of their own zone, but they've struggled as far as getting into the offensive zone and maybe establishing a presence there, uh, controlling the clock there in the offensive zone. And that was, I think, really ultimately why they weren't able to get one on the board in this game. Obviously, Vasilevsky is a fantastic goaltender that you know didn't help them either. But it was just, it seemed like they couldn't get anything going. They couldn't enter the zone and, and do anything really at all. They had to be entering with numbers if they were going to have any sort of sustained pressure. And then on the back end, Tampa, they just kind of kept things to the perimeter. And the Kraken couldn't deal with that. They had no answers for it, so they would just kind of die in their zone, and then every time you're finally clearing it, everybody's got to go on a line change. Tampa just collects the puck, and you're right back in your own zone. So um, which do you think is a bigger problem from that game or something that the Kraken need to focus on more? Is it continuing to focus on working on you know offensive zone entries, or do you think it's a bigger problem that if teams are willing to be patient in the in you know the Kraken's defensive zone, uh, they have to work on maybe being a little bit more aggressive at as far as trying to force a turnover so that they're not you know having all their shifts you know be a hundred percent in their own zone. I think the offensive zone entries uh, should probably be more of a priority because that's something that teams can do against you, you know, by stacking the blue line and you know it's the Lightning are very very good at it, but it's something that other teams can do as well, and it's a lot tougher to do things when you don't have an answer for it uh, because you need to be able to have some offensive zone time to generate something offensively. Uh, on you know in the D zone, I think the Kraken you basically you can get away with a lot of bend and don't but don't break defense keep it the outside even if it does tire you out even if you do have to get a change when you dump the puck out eventually you know you'll you'll get possession early enough in a shift and then if you can go create some things offensively you can put the other team back in that situation whereas if you just can't get anything going getting into the offensive zone there's really nothing you can do about it um and the reason i i think that that's a higher priority is because you look at the next game, I don't want to get too far ahead, but you look at the next game against Florida and there were a lot of those shifts where the Panthers kind of kept possession in the, in their, in the offensive zone, worked the Kraken around. And yeah, it was a long shift for Seattle, but ultimately it felt like they were in control and they were able to get things going the other way offensively and they won the game. Yeah, exactly. And just the fact that, you know, offensive zone entries has been something that this Kraken team has struggled with all season long. Like, I, I don't yeah. know that there's been a game where I've looked at it and just been like, oh, okay, here we go. We've, we've got the answer. It still doesn't look like there's really a system in place for where guys are supposed to go, where guys are supposed to be. It still very, you know, feels very much fluid every time they're going into the offensive zone. Love to see something a little more structured. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think that's probably the bigger takeaway there. Otherwise, you know, yeah, as as far as the bend don't break defense, we saw that. 
both both goals came really off of turnovers. They weren't so much because Tampa was able to just to, you know, hang around and just spend a bunch of time in the zone. There was plenty of times where Tampa would have like a minute's worth of zone time in the offensive zone for them, and the Kraken didn't allow a shot. Yeah, like I mean, they kept him at the outside pretty darn consistently. Yeah. Um, and it's a Tampa team that has good guys that are good at getting to the inside and, and penetrating. You know, Pat Maroon and Corey Perry, we saw a lot, mm-hmm. you know, kind of in front of the net, but they just didn't really have any second chances, any rebound opportunities. And you know, Grubauer is a big part of that as well with his rebound control. But they did a good job of keeping everything to the outside. Well, and and they did an excellent job. The the last thing for this game I was going to bring up was the defensemen did such an amazing job at keeping guys like Perry and Maroon from really actually being able to set up. Forget about the rebounds being there and getting second chances. Grubauer, in part, wasn't letting any rebounds because he could see everything. They made it so mm-hmm. that Grubauer, despite the fact that you know all these shots are being taken from the point, Hayden Fleury did an amazing job of constantly clearing guys out of the way. Adam Larson continuing to do that as well. Grubauer had as much um, vision as you could ever hope for, for, you know, five on five where the other team is, you know, taking shots from the point. The fact that he was able to see it really the whole way a lot of times, um, just because the Kraken really made an effort to you know, the defenseman get side by side with the guy you're covering against and just lean on him, get him out of the way, make it so that, you know, your goalie can see something and it makes all the difference. Cause you know, then even on like the low shots, the pad shots, as you said, Grubauer can then exercise some rebound control. He's not just trying to fight it off because he's seeing it last second. He's seeing it the whole way in. He can maybe catch it, not give up a rebound at all or he can then really take his time and set up properly so that he can control where that rebound's going and I think a lot of that credit goes to the defense there they just did a fantastic job with that and really that is something that carried over into the Florida game as well uh, as we transition to that one really the only time Florida got anything going was the one time they were able to get somebody in front of Chris Drieger and it became a problem Exactly. I mean, and that was that first goal with Patrick Hornquist, kind of able to set up pretty freely in front, mm-hmm. got a tip, and, you know, that makes a shot very, very difficult to stop. And you have that first Panthers goal. But from then on, uh, they really weren't able to get anything consistently in front of the net. And you could kind of see with Patrick Hornquist, someone who, Dylan, you know, is a, mm-hmm. you know, a Penguins fan in the past, you know, is no stranger to the front of the net. And he's always trying to get to those areas. And he did it successfully early in the game. And it seemed like he was kind of stymied and frustrated trying to get there again after that happened. And you got to give a lot of credit to the Kraken's defense for that. Um, Looking at the advanced stats from that game, as I was checking in, kind of looking on natural stat trick, seeing the, uh, you know, the expected goals for percentage, the scoring chance, you know, it, the Panthers were up in the 60, 70% range as far as these chances went. But looking at the eye test, just watching the game, it felt like at every moment the Kraken were in control in their own D zone, despite spending a lot of time there uh, and and with the Panthers having a lot of possession. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I, I did I spent a little bit of time talking about Patrick Hornquist on the uh, the post game live and talking about mind. that goal. Yeah, because that is his bread and butter. That is why teams want him. That's why he's been able to carve out a, a really nice career for himself has been, um, you know, getting in front of goalies, screening them. He's so good at it. So good at those tip ins, so good at knocking in uh, rebounds there in tight. And, uh, you know, talking about really that was, he was allowed to set up there because Vince Dunn didn't do what, you know, really all the other defensemen had been doing through those last two games, which was 
Vince Dunn just settled in behind him and was just kind of giving him little taps on the back, like, hey, don't be here. Uh, no. And it's like, you can't do that. You got to you gotta go side by side with him and, and, and just lean on him, force him out of the way. You don't need to do it a ton. You don't need to, like, take a penalty for, you know, holding or interference or anything crazy. But you do have to get alongside him because if you're going to – you just can't position yourself behind them because one, then you're part of the problem screening your own goalie for one that you don't want to do. And um, then your only answer is to cross check him. That's the only way you can get rid of him. And you could see Vince Dunn was, was doing that. He was kind of giving like little cross checks, nothing that was going to draw a penalty because he knew he couldn't fully cross check him. But you know, Vince Dunn had the opportunity when he first engaged with Hornquist to do it from the side and really just move Hornquist out of the way. If that happens, Drieger sees that shot all the way in. He's going to make a save, and um, that goal doesn't happen. Uh, so, you know, little mer- learning moment there for Vince Dunn. Obviously, he's not totally known for his defensive play, but um, it, it does show what a difference the defenseman kind of making an effort those last couple games makes on, you know, those kinds of situations net front. The other big takeaway, as I've mentioned his name a couple times already, Chris Drieger joining group hour in this whole like hot goalie. We've got somebody and they're playing the way we thought they would all along. Yes. Chris Drieger finally feels like he's arrived. It's been a tough start to the season for him uh not looking too good in the preseason then of course having that injury in his very first game where he comes in uh in relief of grubauer in the third period he goes on ir comes back doesn't look quite 100 percent, and that's something that dave haxtell did hint at um you know as, as recently as um the you know the game before the florida game that drieger played in in colorado where you know, just, this is kind of the first time I felt like we've actually had 200% healthy goalies, despite Drieger having played in Vegas after coming off IR. Clearly wasn't 100% then, as we now know. Um, but it looks like that knee has finally gotten right for him. And, I mean, he showed what he's capable of. This is the goalie that he looked like uh, in Florida last season. And the reason the Kraken, you know, signed him really to be their starter uh, before, you know, Grubauer came along and, and you know, no one thought he'd be available but um, yeah, I mean, Drieger looked fantastic. He was calm. His his angles were right this time. You know, he had, took the right angle. Um, and it's just fun to watch him also. He's just so stylistically different from Philip Grubauer. And they're both great goalies. Uh, but just to see the contrast in their styles uh, is, is something interesting, especially, you know, uh, with some of the glove saves from Drieger that just look a little different than, than what you'll get from Grubauer. Yeah, I mean, that was literally the, the next thing I was going to bring up was <laughs> talking, you know, let's kind of break down their different styles because I do feel like throughout the NHL, there is two styles of goaltenders. There is the aggressive goaltenders that are going to challenge shooters a lot um, that might get them, you know, out of position from time to time a little bit, uh, maybe struggle with cross-ice passes, that kind of stuff. And those are the goalies that look like they, you know, for lack of a better term, kind of flop around a little bit. Right. And, and, you know, if you've watched uh, any amount of hockey, you kind of know what I'm talking about. Um, they, they, their limbs are a little more limber and they're kind of all over the place. Uh, still gets the job done. I, I'm not trying to discredit that at all. Um, and that that's very much Drieger, right? Like the first thing that stood out to me yesterday was just how aggressive he was. He was coming out and challenging shots. Again, defense did a good job through, you know, basically all of the game, all with the exception of the one goal of giving him line of sight. So whenever the Panthers were trying to take a point shot, he was like, he was way up at the edge of his crease. A couple times he was out of his crease. He was just totally challenging those point shots because he could see it the whole way. He was using his glove 
And uh, that was really awesome to see. Very much in contrast with Philip Grubauer, which seems to go to the other goaltending school of, I'm going to be technically sound, I'm just going to be in the right position, and I'm just going to be big, and the puck's going to hit me. Right? Like, that's a yep. little bit more <laughs> of what, what Philip Grubauer plays like. Both both styles work. I was talking a little bit yesterday about how you can have both styles like that, and yet you can have goalies go through hot and cold streaks doing both of them. You'd think the other would be a little bit more consistent, but it's not, as we saw from Grubauer yep. this season. Um, but uh, but it is it is just kind of fun to watch the you know the contrasting styles between these two guys. I, I know those are kind of you know really. Uh, easy non-technical ways of explaining anything. Do you want to explain kind of maybe more on the technical side those the differences there? I mean, I'm I'm you know not a goaltending expert. It's hard to go you know really into detail. I'm not a goalie coach. Um, but yeah, as far as you know, like you look at Grubauer and as you were just talking about getting the right spot, have the puck hit you. Um, you know, there there's like certain again, it's it's all about angles of attack. There's a lot of geometry to it, basically. You know where how far you come out of the net. You also have a little a fraction of of a second. You know longer to see shots the further back you are in net. It also, you know as far as being aggressive, trying to trying to locate pucks like on shots from the point. We saw a lot of uh, shots from the point kind of go in on Grubauer. You know where there's a lot of traffic in front, where it can be difficult to locate things. Whereas Drieger is someone, especially with his height, he can kind of get out there and really be more aggressive about trying to get his head in the right position to locate a puck whether it's seeing over somebody or kind of reaching around you know to see around somebody um that's something where you know it can also put you out of position sometimes as we've seen with trigger uh you know being aggressive to try and look around somebody uh but other times you can maybe see pucks that a goalie like grubauer just wouldn't really have a chance to see um so you know there's trade-offs it's all about trade-offs uh with each style of goaltending but it's it's cool to see both of them on the same team and hopefully we get a little bit more of a rotation i know that's what you know we were all kind of planning on from the start of the season so we can really see them you know just almost alternating just look at the differences and that's something we can talk about a lot more as the season goes on as the we get more tape on drieger you know we see certain saves are like all right this is how he would treat it differently uh than what grubauer would do yeah, I mean, interesting you bring up tape. That was one of the, again, one of the things I was going to bring up next. I promise we didn't actually plan this. I know maybe better podcasts <laughs> would, but... Um, you just got that chemistry, Dylan. It's natural. We do. It's, we do. It's it's all these years of talking hockey between the two of us. Uh, yeah, one last thing on that is I will say it, it will be fun kind of moving forward the fact that, you know, opposing teams until Hackstall announces really which goaltender is going to start opposing teams. It's a different plan of attack for both of those styles. So having both of those guys moving forward, having confidence and trust in both of those guys moving forward will kind of, you know, bring another um, game within a game element to the Kraken as far as other teams maybe having to adjust what they want to be doing based on what goaltender they have to face. But coming back around to the idea of watching tape, one of the things that was talked about a lot yesterday during that postgame um, live was, you know, it felt like the Kraken had watched a lot of tape of themselves, watched a lot of tape of Florida, and they really started to make adjustments. And I think, you know, as we talked about that Capitals game, it looked like a Kraken game that we were used to seeing as far as game flow and everything. It's just that it finally worked out for them uh, rather than going the other way. 
The Carolina game, that's just a classic old school gutsy performance, grind it out, get the W, move on. Um, but that Florida Panthers game, that looked like a different Kraken team to me. It looked like a team that has, you know, worked on correcting the flaws in their game, plugging the holes, and then also worked on, you know, okay, what's been working for us? How can we do that more? Absolutely. And, and certain things also, you know, watching film on Florida, you know, watching, okay, where can this team beat us? And where are we going to be okay? You know, if we keep him to the outside and prevent these certain type of shots, you know, get prevent guys getting to the middle, we're going to be all right because that's where they can beat you. You know, in transition, that's where they can beat you. And we want to generally limit that sort of thing. Um, and also, they actually shot from the point and got a, defl- a goal on a tip. I mean, that mm-hmm. was their first one of the season, according to the NHL shot data. You know, things like that where okay, we're going to look at here's a a way we could kind of vary our attack. And it's something the Panthers gave up a lot of. I mean, they gave up a lot of uh, room at the points and the Kraken were using that more often. And that that's a hint that they watched the film and know that's going to be there. Right. I mean, that's kind of Florida's MO. That's something you and I talked about the previous night, right? Kind of looking, you know, after that Tampa game, we were looking ahead to the Florida game. And what was one of the things I said? contrasting Tampa, Florida plays passive and conservative with their defensemen. They want to just kind of shelter in and and kind of do that defensive shell that we all hated when the Kraken tried earlier in this season. That's how Florida does it. They let their forwards be aggressive, let them pressure guys, let them kind of drive the attack in the transition game, and our defensemen are going to hang back. And it looked like the Kraken took that to heart. They watched tape on Florida. Either that or they just listened to us. That'd be cool too. Um, but... Uh, but they under- don't know that they didn't listen to us. I was going to say, there's been you know, quite a bit of coincidences after we bring some stuff up from time to time. Evidence Just, is mounting, Dylan. It is, it is. Um, but yes, it looked like the Kraken knew what was going on there. They knew that they were going to have to take more shots from the point. We saw a lot of shots from the point. All the defensemen got involved in it too. It wasn't just like, oh, okay, Vince Dunn's going to shoot more from the point or Hayden Fleury's going to do it. Like guys we'd already seen. Larson was taking shots. Alexiak taking shots, obviously, on that Alexiak, one that was tip, yeah. tipped in. Yeah. Um, no, trust me, we'll get to that empty net goal. Uh <laughs> So yes, it definitely looked like they understood the team they were playing against. And it felt like, again, that it's kind of been the first time they've been able to do that, where it was like they entered the game with a game plan and they could execute it and it worked. It wasn't just like, oh, let's just try to focus on starting better because we've been really bad at that, right? Like through that last bit of home games, uh, really before this week, it was just like, okay, forget about like trying to game plan for the other team. We just have to like not suck. (laughs) exactly i mean that's like first things first it really did feel like that was kind of the priority um but it's nice when you can actually move past that and and start to really watch film and game plan for a team yeah and then obviously drieger making the save on uh huberto's breakaway uh huberto did his move move i've seen many times drieger knew it was there it still beat him five hole but he knew to to bring that right leg back across and and keep it out and I am so glad you brought that up because, I mean, that was the save of the game. As many mm-hmm. saves as he made late, that was the most important save of the game. And I really think if if that goes in, it's a totally different game. Because mm-hmm. you have to remember the situation, too. It's early. It's, you know, less than two minutes into the game. Mm-hmm. It, the Kraken are on the power play, by the way. That was yes. a shorthanded breakaway. Yep. I mean, that is an absolute killer if you give that one up. And also, the Kraken went right back the other way and scored to take the one nothing lead. It is a totally different game. It's, you know, in some ways like a, a two-goal swing there, mm-hmm. um, you know, if that goes in. And, and Drieger was up to the task. And he 
you know, he did just kind of catch it with the leg coming back, but he overall, he looked calm the whole time. Yeah, and it and it it did have some elements to, you know, watching it. And I think the Panthers broadcasters even in some ways like said it as he was coming in on the breakaway, like, okay, is he gonna do his backhanded move? Like <laughs> like it is just one of the things he does. And obviously Drieger, maybe some experience seeing it uh, you know, last year while he was in Florida. Well, yeah, he would know of all players. Yeah, and it was one of those like he he was like, Okay, you gonna do this? Huberto was like, Yes, I'm gonna do this made the save like i said still got it beat initially it is a, it is a good move right we all know it's coming he still is successful with it always Speaks one of my favorites ability. to try if i'm on a breakaway that's for sure yeah uh but yes huge huge save um we'll say just as a weird caveat because i was watching football earlier today we record on sunday jonathan huberdo front row at the miami dolphins game today just happened to see him it was just <laughs> nice. funny i was like hey wait a second what are you doing here um okay yeah um but yeah, that was a huge save. It looked like they were watching tape there. But like I said, it looks like the Kraken have, you know, they've studied what they've been successful at. They're trying to recreate that in the offensive zone. Seeing less of that triangle offense, both in the Tampa and Florida games, really appreciated that. Working more kind of behind their net, uh, you know, behind the other team's net, having somebody back there. I love having Ryan Donato back in the lineup. He is so good operating in tight around the opposing team's net. Uh, and it's just something that, there really isn't another member of the Kraken that is, you know, kind of as well versed in doing that. Um, like having him there, they, you know, that seemed to be more of a focus for them getting, you know, getting scoring chances from players. And it seemed like everybody whiffed on them from Donskoy to, to Appleton to everybody who tried to do these kind of quick one-time shots from kind of in close. Uh, I don't know. It's loosely from the dot, but you're in closer than the than the faceoff dot, kind of on the edge right. of the faceoff circle. There, uh, they tried that several times. Everybody whiffed on them, but uh, at the same time, it still looked like a good play that that could have success if they can figure that one out. But yeah, uh, passes were cleaner. That you know, yes. it, it was just it was a week of checking boxes of all the things that scared us and made us nervous and 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 you know gave the Kraken problems. It was just a week of checking all those boxes and saying, "Hey, we worked on that. We worked on passing. We're not throwing it into each other's skates all the time." And we worked on you know, I guess they didn't work on zone entries quite yet, but uh, they they worked on how to play better defensively. Defensemen handing off coverages in their own zone. The defense. Yes, that's huge. And it's one of those underrated things that's, you know, not always easy to, to see when you're watching the game. Um, but that's where a lot of the miscommunications, a lot of the defensive breakdowns happen is when guy had to hand off coverages, the two defensemen, and they did so much better at that. Yeah, I mean, how many times were you and I bringing up in post games? Okay, on this goal, what happened was somehow both Kraken defensemen were behind their own goal line, right? Like they're both behind, stuck behind their own net. Like you just can't have that stuff happen. Uh, other teams will score on that every single time, regardless of the team. Uh, NHL players are just too good to 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 get away with doing that. But this time, defensemen were doing great as far as handing off coverages, as as you know, one would stick with a puck carrier or they'd pass them on, but the other defenseman always knew what was going on and knew, you know, where to where to adjust and cover. Um, to already talked about the defensemen all doing a good job as, of giving goalies sight lanes through that Tampa and Florida game, making sure both goalies could see the puck at all times. Um, just all the all the little stuff was being done right by the Kraken this week, and I just hope that we you know continue to see that moving forward. But I think we will, and so this kind of begs the question, RJ: How much of this is just okay? The coaching staff maybe addressing things finally, or is it just 
players are finally settling in, settling into being members of the Kraken, settling into Seattle, and they're just getting comfortable with each other. And this is really that chemistry that we've been talking about all year needing to form. You know, everyone was talking offensively, right? You know, you got to get like your wingers on, on the same page with your center to make stuff happen up there. Defensive pairings need that too. They do. And I think, you know, Florida game aside, because, you, you know, with, with Gio and all the stuff and, you know, Borgen coming in, but you finally had a little bit of consistency on the D pairs. Uh, and I think that went a long way as far as the communication, as we mentioned, the handing off of coverage uh, and also finding, you know, at forward some line combinations that that worked, um, you know, moving Jaden Schwartz down with, with Yanni Gord. I mean, that's something that, you know, we weren't really sure what to think about that at first, but I mean, it worked really well and, and just finding certain things that click and then sticking with them, you know, when you can, you know, it's tough with, um, get, you know, with like Appleton coming back, which, you know, and then, um, you know, with like Blackwell out last game and then you've got Yarncroke injured. So you have to make some changes around the edges where you can. Um, but I think finally finding some of that chemistry that's working is important. And then also, you know, just putting those things together that they've worked on in practice Sometimes it just takes a little time to, to finally take. And also sometimes I think you need to be playing against an opponent where you need to be doing all those things in order to have a chance, you know, against something like a Chicago, if you look, you know, on the, uh, on the homestand earlier where like you can probably get away with it if you're not doing some of those things. Right. But you know, it, it does, you don't have that pressure, that mental focus where you need to be doing all of them. Right. Whereas against these top teams, you know, if you're not handing off coverage as well, if you're not making crisp passes, um, you know, if you're not doing all the things you need to do, you're going to get embarrassed. And I think the Kraken knew that uh, and they rose to the occasion. Yeah. And, and you know, we talked about it on the post game live uh, yesterday after the Florida game, that Colorado game being their rock bottom, their wake up mm -hmm. moment, the, the tan of snapping his stick at the end of the period kind of being the thing like since then, this team has looked different and, um, and it does feel like that, you know, they finally got to that point where they were like, okay, yes, backs against the wall. We have to prove that, you know, we don't suck. It's not that we're all just bad at hockey. It's, you know, we gotta, we gotta yeah. turn things around if we don't want this season just to turn into this, you know, looking like an expansion team from the nineties where we win 15 yeah. games. And sometimes, I mean, that, that hangs over you. You look at the, that Avs game and, um, you know, this is what it's going to be for a couple weeks. If we don't turn this exactly. around, the schedule's not getting any easier. Um, and you know, they were sick of losing, you know, I think it was Yarncoke that just said, you know, we're sick of losing. You know, that's mm -hmm. what that's what caused we're just sick of losing. We want to remember how the win feels. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was just clearly something very important to them. Yeah. So kind of one of the you know last things I want to touch on and you, you know, brought it up a little bit there is the forward groups because we have seen some different looks. And I do want to kind of talk about those as guys are kind of rotating in and out of the lineup, um, because I think some of the guys that have looked really good and that I've liked seeing in the lineup not necessarily the guys I thought preseason were going to be, you know, kind of key players. So uh, one of the big things that they've done is they've they've moved Morgan Geeky out of the center spot. He's playing more on the wing, and I and I do like that because I think Geeky's got the the skill to be in the lineup every night. But he was struggling uh, at center for a little while as far as like defensive uh, protections and coverages go, stuff like that. So I like him being able just to focus on doing what he does well, not have to be in his head too much. Um, but like in that, you know, in one game that meant Colin Blackwell is starting at center now. 
and then he was scratched in the Florida game after that Tampa game. Riley Shahan's back up into the lineup, you know, hanging on to that fourth uh, line center spot. Saw Donato come back in with Yarncroke getting hurt. See Mason Appleton come back because he's now no longer hurt. So I just kind of want to get, you know, let's let's kind of just go player by player here. Too many, too many players for the amount of spots on the ice, obviously. Yes. But so let's kind of try to figure out who we like and, and kind of who's been playing well and who we think kind of fits the team because somebody like Colin Blackwell, who I was really, really excited to see in this lineup, is still struggling to maybe find a spot for him. Yeah, and I think, you know, it kind of came to a head in this Florida game where you look at the kind of game you're going to get into where you're going to have to play a lot of bend but don't break defense. You're going to need to someone who's... And not that Blackwell isn't defensively responsible, but I mean, like, Riley Shan, he knows that's his job. And mm-hmm. this season, he's been very good at it, too. You know, as that fourth-line center, shut the other team down and just know that while you're out there, they're not going to score. And, you know, there was a lot of that from him, and it seemed like he was kind of the better matchup uh, for that Florida game and you go back to watching film and you know seeing what you need I think that was uh, you know an interesting wrinkle that they threw in there probably knowing what the matchup was going to be um, so yeah Blackwell I still think there's got to be a spot for him in the lineup mostly because he can play anywhere I mean after these last few games I, you know I hate to say it because Appleton's just still kind of coming back but um, you know maybe put him in for Appleton uh, you know on on that right wing spot you know with, with Wenberg and Johansson um, but yeah, I mean, what do you think? Like, we've talked about Blackwell. You see what, ask what you think of that. But uh, versus Mason Appleton, what do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, there's a couple things there that I want to bring up. The idea of versatility yeah, and, and then Appleton. Because I thought Appleton played a really good game in that Florida game. I was really okay. impressed with what I saw there from him. He did a good job. Um, you know, he was in good spots offensively. I thought he was doing a good job of, you know, kind of playing his game he was kind of back to that as far as you know okay what position is he? he's all over the place kind of thing yeah. but he does a really good job of staying in passing lanes for the other team like he mm-hmm. he is a really good job as far as he takes away what the other team wants to be doing without actually doing anything in a way like he's putting himself in the right spot he's not picking off pucks he's not like intercepting passes he's not shot blocking all the time but if you look at where he is positionally through other teams' transition games and stuff, because he's got those wheels, he can get in lanes and he does actually stall other teams out with his kind of erratic, like, I'm just kind of going where the puck is. He does that, but he, he does pressure other teams and he takes away what they want to do. And it's, and it is, it, it's just weird because it's, you know, there's nothing, there's no stat you can point to and say, okay, he's making a difference. And it's one of those things, unless you're absolutely watching him, you're not going to see it either. Um, but I, I do like having Appleton back in the role that they've put him in these last couple of games. I think he's, he's starting to feel it. And I think he is starting to uh, be the player that we want to see that. And as the Kraken are trying to get a little more net front heavy play around the net in the offensive zone, you and I both know he likes to do that. He likes to drive the net. He likes to, he's very comfortable in those positions. So in that sense, I want to see Appleton hang around and, you know, Blackwell, He's someone, when I think about what he was for the Rangers, he was just kind of like this this weird um, offensive, you know, spark plug. Like he would just kind of kick off their offense for them, but he wasn't necessarily going to be the guy that was going to finish off the play or, you know, 
make the the insane pass and all that stuff. He was going to do the gutsy thing that was going to get it out of your zone, get it into the other zone, kind of throw it on the net, get get the offense going, maybe get the defense um, off their game a little bit, onto their heels maybe. Um, he just hasn't really done that for the Kraken so far this year. No, and I think part of that might also just be the, the situations that he's been put into. He has had a whole lot of ice time and not, not a lot with you know, the most quality uh, line mates, you know, because that, that was the thing. He would also play in the top six, you know, fairly mm-hmm. often with the Rangers when he needed someone to plug in one of those spots. He hasn't really done that yet with the Kraken. Um, I'd still want to see him on the second power play unit. I mean, as well as the power plays doing, you don't need to change up a whole lot of that. But eventually, if something runs cold or you just need a guy in that bumper spot, I want to see what he can do there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough right now because he's still trying to get into the swing of things. Um, but I, I don't, I'm not against scratching him there like they did, uh, for the Panthers game. And, you know, sometimes it can, it can help just to, you know, have a game to watch after getting back into it a little bit. Uh, but I do want to see him, you know, back into lineup when they can get him there. Yeah. I mean, it, I agree. He's, he is not suited to the role that they've kind of forced him into. I think he could do maybe some stuff on McCann's wing. I think maybe yeah. there could be something there yeah. again. You know, McCann, they've kind of left him alone in a sense. You know, he's just going to be the offense for his line right now. That that kind of seems the way mm-hmm. they're going about it. And, you know, he's playing so well, he can, you know, they can get away with that. Um, yeah. Or if for some reason you want to move Geeky off that line, whether it's back to center or something else, maybe Blackwell's the guy you can put there. Yeah. But I also, one more thing is I with Blackwell, I think he's one of those guys who's a lot more valuable when you're dealing with injury trouble mm-hmm. than when the team is fully healthy like they are now. Mm-hmm. Where when everyone's healthy, it's kind of hard to find a spot for him because he gets bumped down the lineup. But if you start to have injuries pile up, you know, maybe two or three forwards hurt, and all of a sudden there's a you know a top six spot you need filled, whether it's him or moving someone else up, he can kind of go in those different places that can help you deal with that a little bit better. So right now, he's not going to be as valuable as maybe if you have some more forward injuries. Yeah, and, and so that kind of gets to the other point that I wanted to make with uh, Blackwell, and I'm going to go ahead and bring Callie Yarncroke into this because they were both two players we were really excited about going into this preseason, uh, you know, going through the whole preseason, offseason, all that stuff because of their versatility, because of this idea that they can play top six, bottom six, they can play either wing, they can play center if you need them to, you know, they could play power play, PK, they can do it all. But at the same time, it feels like both of them have struggled a lot with the crack and yarn croaks had a lot of decent games, not really showing up on the, um, you know, box scores after any of them though. And, and so I do think that it, you know, kind of begs the question with Blackwell, with yarn croak, given the way this team is set up, given how deep this team is, right. Having the depth that maybe other NHL teams don't have, is there really a full-time role for either of them? Uh, or are they kind of more, as you said, fill-ins because right now it feels like, you know, they're kind of expendable for guys like Ryan Donato or Mason Appleton, who, when they're on their games, they're really fulfilling one job and they're excelling at it. So it's one of those, do you want to have the jack of all trade master of none, or do you want to have the one piece that you plug in to do one thing, but you know, they're going to be like a top five guy doing that. Yeah. And it, it can be matched up based as well. And, and that's something you have to t- you know take into account and you've got these different options uh, with Blackwell. I'd say that's probably the case where, you know, maybe is it a rotation with a guy like Donato um, for yarn croak? It's tough because, you know, when he's not scoring, that's kind of the spot he's in too. You know, he's very solid defensively, but you know, at the end of the day, you've got to be producing a little bit more offensively. And I know he had two points, you know, in that game before getting hurt, 
Uh, so that's kind of more what you'd like to see from him going forward. And, you know, it's tough now he's injured. He didn't even go on the road trip. So figure it, you know, might be kind of bad. So uh, you don't know when we'll see him next. But yeah, if, if the scoring doesn't materialize, he's kind of put himself in that spot too. Although just given how the coaching staff is and he's a guy I could see them really wanting to play and leaning toward finding a spot for in the lineup, even if he's not scoring as much as he needs to be, just because he's so defensively responsible, mm-hmm. coaches tend to like that. So, I mean, that's kind of how I could see it playing out. Maybe in favor of a guy like Ryan Donato, where coaches just seem to go against someone like that a little bit more. Yeah, and it, and it is a shame because I do feel like the Kraken are better when Ryan Donato's out there. Like, I never thought in a, oh, thousand, in a thousand years I'd be saying that, but he does seem to... <laughs> to make a visual difference when watching them, particularly on offense. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is really unfortunate. Cal Yarncroke's been, a, you know, I've been a big fan of his for a really, really long time. But yes, the situations that he was excelling in in Nashville just kind of don't really exist for him here. The fact that they could rotate him in and kind of, he would be like a top six center for them at times in Nashville and, and how they would use him on their power play when, you know, helped him out a lot there as far as getting on the score sheet whereas here yeah he's kind of being asked to be defensively responsible kind of hang out be be the solid defensive guy on a line that can you know hang with offensively capable and minded guys but be that be that guy who's going to make sure things don't get too bad if things go the other way on him right and and i just don't feel like that's you know, while he can do that, I just don't think that's where you're gonna, you know, get the most out of him, so to speak. Uh, kind of similar to what they've been doing with Donskoy, although they kind of asked Donskoy to try to create more offense, and he is. It's just not for himself. Um, <laughs> yep. But yeah, it's it is gonna be something interesting, you know, and worth monitoring as we move forward. Obviously, right now with Yarncroke out injured, it kind of answers itself. But uh, I would like to see, yeah, you know, maybe maybe you try sticking Blackwell in a top six role where yarn croak was and see how things work out. But I feel like Marcus Johansson has played so well. He's bringing a lot to the table. Again, someone I had questions about, he answered all my questions. And then some, I, I think he's got to stay a regular and operate on special teams and all that stuff. Uh, Don has been playing really consistent, really throughout the season. I want to see him stay in the lineup. It, it's just one of those things. Didn't think we'd see it. Those, Black guys like Blackwell and Yarncroke seemed like these great luxuries to have all that stuff. But, you know, for one reason or another, that's just how it goes sometimes when you're when you're building out a team. Um, but, yes, we'll we'll see how things go. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll finish off. Obviously, Geo's been out. Captain's been out, uh, you know, COVID protocol. Yep. I mean, that's is that's it... tough to see. But uh, thankfully, no one else has joined him. Yeah. Which is- I concern usually when you have one guy go on covid protocol usually there's some others that follow but thankfully that hasn't happened to this point yeah that's been really interesting to see and then i was gonna say like is it bad that it doesn't look like the kraken have really missed him you know what i they i think you're right i mean they haven't uh looked a whole lot worse on defense i mean you know in some cases even just improved you know some of the other guys um yeah, I think it might even be good in a weird way that he's just getting some rest, you know, mm-hmm. just given kind of his age and where he's at. Obviously, that's not the way you want to get it. Uh, but, you know, it, it might be good uh, to just kind of have him out of the lineup for a few games, just have him hopefully rested, hopefully feeling OK coming back. Um, but, you know, if, if this is what it took also to maybe see a guy like Will Borgen and see what he can mm-hmm. bring. 
um, you know, then that can be a good thing as well. I, I think, you know, it's kind of a, yeah, there's there's some uh, silver linings to it, at least with guys stepping up. Right. And it also makes you think that maybe um, you can get by without him. Obviously, can't be too much in the cards long term, just given his age and everything. We yeah. all know his contract's up at the end of the year. Um, but we had also heard rumors, uh, you know, of, of the Kraken or at least of other teams being interested, in maybe trading for him. Maybe this stretch, you know, that that doesn't look like it would totally derail things for the Kraken um, like you might have thought earlier in the season. So it is something worth monitoring. It's just I thought I'd bring it up because I I did like the kind of pace that the defense was able to play with these last couple games and um, the maybe some of the offensive chances that guys were taking that normally wouldn't because Geo is there to fill that role. So uh, just something I thought I'd bring up. But otherwise, I think that's going to do it for us. couple things to bring up uh you know if you haven't been part of the last couple live streams and stuff we've added several new designs to uh the merch store you can get there by going to emeraldcityhockey.com it's one of the you know things right up there uh, one of the tabs you can click on uh, store if, tab up in the far right yep if you're uh watching this podcast on youtube at all the link is in the description down below it's kind of at the bottom so you guys scroll down a little bit but the link that'll take you right to the store is there you can click on that go check out the new designs thank you to everybody who has been purchasing those uh we've had a ton of sales of those these last couple of days and that's been absolutely awesome to see and uh the other thing i want to bring up is you know patreon is coming just going to be in a couple days from now uh launching december 1st uh so just a reminder you know that we'll definitely do be doing a social media blitz when that happens so if you follow us anywhere you should be able to see that and um and be able to join if you choose to but i did want to bring that up one last time uh before it gets going uh but i think i think that's it as far as things go right rj yep i think that's it it's been a good week yeah, really awesome week. Want to see more uh, of these. Looking ahead to the schedule at hand, we've got Buffalo Monday night. That's a 4 o'clock start. Detroit on Wednesday, that's a 4.30 start. Kind of a little fun there. And then <laughs> um, Edmonton back at home on Friday. That's going to be a good game to see. Uh, obviously, did well against McDavid. Not so much against Dreisaitl last time, and that came back to bite us pretty hard. But... Uh, yeah, it should be a good or a different team now. I was going like to say a different team now, and I'm interested to see how they match up. Yep. It should be a good test for them. So definitely excited to see that, but you know, don't want to sleep on Buffalo or Detroit. They have been, you know, surprising a lot of teams this year. So got to get through those games first should be good. Thanks everybody for joining us once again, and we will see you all next time. Mm-hmm.